You're listening to the Disciple Community Podcast, sermons, teachings, and timely words from the Disciple Community Gathering at The Source Wichita in Wichita, Kansas. For more audio, video, and other resources for Christian growth and encouragement, visit thesourcewichita.com. So, um, really didn't have a, uh, have a plan today, but um, the Lord gave me one. Yeah, amen. So just a, a couple of things. Let me just tell you how this kind of all came together this morning. It's like, I wish Rachel was here. I always miss Rachel when she's not here, but she always she always talks about God connecting the dots, right? Like, and it, it's she's she's really good at like this dot from 1996 connecting with the dot from 2003 connecting to the dot from 2019, and she's like, it's all connected. I love that. So this morning I got up and you know I. I don't always open my Bible app, <laughs> but sometimes I do. And, uh, you know, it's Palm Sunday. And so there was a scripture about Jesus riding in on the, on the colt, the donkey. And, uh, I thought, well, you know, it's Palm Sunday. Let me read it. And so I read it and then I just, you know, it's a small chunk. And what I found a little bit more interesting was what was happening after, because that's when Jesus gets into this, like, not a contention, but just his wisdom flows into these moments where the Pharisees are trying to catch him. And like, he just makes these, they're trying to be crafty, but then he just speaks from his wisdom and it just shuts them up. And they're like, they marvel at his answers. And I I just was kind of reading through that. Um, But okay. So let me back up last week. I was in Nebraska with my buddy, Andy Springer, and um, I got to spend some time with them. And we actually, did kind of a team co-teaching thing on stage, which is really fun. It was kind of like a Q&A, but um, it, it was really great. It was a good time. So I got to spend some time with Andy, and he mentioned something to me that was really interesting. Um, and so I'll get to that in just a moment. But last week, I hear something, so that's a dot. This week, we're here. Um, Jason comes in, and he shares something with me about on the way here, he's doing a Facebook Live, and he's talking about how they're coming to church like in sweatpants and a hat, you know, and like, you don't, you know, it, it's fine. Like you can show up to the house of God in sweatpants with a hat on, whatever. Right. So we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit, but it, it's going to all tie in. So that's a dot. Then the scripture, or excuse me, the song, um, reckless love where it says I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. It just got me thinking about this whole, like, where are we trying to win something that is not a prize, but it's a gift, right? It, it's not like when I have a birthday gift for Henry or for Alana that it's just like, okay, you know, do something for this. It's a gift, right? It's not a prize. It's not like they have to play skee-ball and win something, right? So although that's really fun, Kim likes skee-ball. She beats me all the time. So, um, so that was a dot, that whole like, you know, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Like, I think we all know where we stand and we all know that you know, we're unworthy of it, but because we're his creation, he chooses to lavish those things on us. So it's a, it's his choice. It's not ours. And it's not a, he's not responding to something we've done. He's right. We love because he first loved us. And so then I was thinking about Jesus and how he didn't try and impress anybody. And that's not what he was about. He just was who he was. He was connected to the heart and the mind of God, obviously, right? Like he's God in the flesh. Have you seen the Father? You've seen me. So he is an accurate and full representation of 
the Godhead in bodily form. And he, and I talked about earlier how, you know, he, he kind of, he flipped that religious establishment on its head where the law would say lepers go beyond the city gates. Jesus would go into where the lepers were and he would heal them. He would go where nobody else would go. He would go out of his way and go through Samaria instead of around Samaria to meet a woman who's an adulteress at a well to teach her about who he is. He was so anti-established organized religion in, in that day, right? The Pharisees who, who were the people who held people to unrealistic expectations, who could never live up to those standards. Number one, because their heart was bad and they would never recognize anybody other than themselves as holy. So they put people standards on people they could never meet. Jesus said, you put burdens on them they cannot bear and you won't even lift a finger to help them, right? And so Jesus wasn't, he didn't want to impress anybody. He didn't have to impress anybody. If anything, what he did was he left his, his highest position his, in heaven on his throne. He who was rich became poor so that we might become rich. He gave up his wealth, right? his dignity. He hung naked on a cross. All this crucifix nonsense that we see with a loincloth, that wasn't there, right? He didn't have a beard on his face anymore because it was ripped out, right? This is poor depiction of what our Savior endured, right? Literally, his, his manhood exposed and then his manhood ripped from his face because in the Jewish tradition, you had a beard, you're a man. And so, I mean, if anything, he humbled himself even to the point of death. And so he just, he wasn't trying to impress anybody. And it just gets me thinking, like, you know, why why should we? <laughs> Number one, why should we care what man thinks? But then again, what makes us think that we have to, like, be a certain way, look a certain way so that God will accept us? So the interesting thing about Passover and the interesting thing, or excuse me, Palm Sunday, and the interesting thing about what Andy Springer mentioned to me is was he, he said, you know, the same day that Jesus was having his triumphal, triumphal procession into the city on a donkey was the same day, let me read this, that the Roman governor who's, who uh, normally took up residence in Caesarea would enter Jerusalem at the beginning of Passover week, uh, regaled, regaled, in his most impost, Im, imposing costume, surrounded by troops bearing aloft the Roman standards. The procession was designed to convey power and glory to remind inhabitants of the city of the might of Rome and the folly of rebellion. So on the same day, beginning Passover week, Jesus chose to ride in on a donkey through one side of the city while the Roman governor in all his might and power and glory, power, in glory and riches rides in on the other side of the city. And so what Andy Springer said was it was almost as if Jesus was essentially mocking, <laughs> right? And he said it was almost like a form of guerrilla theater. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on this show while he's putting on his show, right? I don't know the validity of if Jesus was actually mocking him in that regard. But what we see is the true king of the Jews, 
the one who is majestic and deserving of all glory and honor and power, amen, humbling himself and riding in on a colt that had never been ridden. Right? And they and instead of like a saddle, they put their their uh, their tunics, their clothes over the the donkey. And instead of the red carpet, they laid out their coats so he can ride in. And then these com the common folk, these poor, sick sinners in the eyes of the Pharisees and the established organ uh, organization, organized religion in that time, are the ones who were singing praises to him. And so it's as if you have in one side this Roman governor who's coming in and he's got all of Rome's might and power behind him. And interestingly, most likely the Pharisees and that established religious organization would have been attending the other procession because they had to bow knee to Rome because they were under Rome's grip. And so here's Jesus, this rebellious guy who's stirring up the world, the Jerusalem Israelite world at that point in time, causing a ruckus, is over here with these outcast, nobody, poor people, having his own triumphal procession, being recognized as king, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And so <clears throat> you get this interesting mix of what seems to be and what is the perception of glory, honor, and power, and riches versus what we would perceive as poor and laughable and pitiable and mockable. Except this is the dynamic of the kingdom, right? Those who are poor will become rich. Those who are blind will see. Those who are sick will be healed. Those who have a heart of stone will be given a heart of flesh. Those who have not will have. In the kingdom, the one that is the lowest will be the highest. The one that is the servant will be crowned with glory. And we see Jesus in his life. He is a servant. And then he's, he comes and he serves humanity. He serves God. He heals. He dies on a cross, makes a way for salvation. And then he's buried three days later. He's raised into glory. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And now those of us who were sinners and laughable and mockable and pitiable are now raised and seated with him in the heavenly realms. And so there's just this interesting dichotomy, right? It's it's rich here and it's poor here, right? Like we're seeing the exact opposite, but this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so Jesus, knowing who he is, his identity, his power, his authority, right? The Pharisees question his authority. And so then he says, you know, was John's baptism of heaven or of man? And they say, well, we don't know whose it was. And he's like, well, I'm not going to tell you by whose authority then, right? But he knew that he was there in God's authority. And so essentially he was contending against the, the two greatest powers in that, in that world at that time, which was Rome and which was the established religious organization, the Pharisees, the high priest the pro-council, right? And we all know that he ends up being crucified for it. <laughs> and the religious people were not very happy with who he was and how he, um, how he put himself out there. And so um, 
I, f- I find that all very interesting. Um, I think, Jason, do you want to come talk a little bit about what you were talking about? Is that fine? So there's just this, I just kind of want to focus on this whole idea because I don't, I don't know if, if you're still maybe existing in this world where you feel like you have to perform or meet an expectation or put your best foot forward. Like God, here's the best me versus here's the broken me. It reminds me of, it reminds me of the, um, the Pharisees who are standing on the corner and they're just yelling these prayers so that everybody can hear their prayer. And then you've got the guy who says, forgive me, Father, for I'm just a lowly sinner. And then Jesus is like, whose prayer are they, are they going to hear? Well, the sinners, not the Pharisees. And so it just reminds me of being humble in our approach to the Father and coming as we are, not trying to put some sort of something forward that we can't make happen on our own, right? Like it all goes back to depending on God and his goodness and his greatness and his forgiveness and his mercy, right? And so let's talk a little bit about what you were talking about earlier and we'll open it up for conversation. And as, as you're talking, all these things come to mind. Christine sent me a uh, picture yesterday, I think so. And it was about, uh, there, was, there were some purple and yellow flowers, <clears throat> which is kind of like a way of, like God reached out to me one time. And, and I know she sent it to me, and I just texted her back, there you go, royalty and riches. That's all I said, because that's kind of what it comes to mind to me. Now, as I was closing my phone and walking around the house, I was like, okay, is, is that what really God wanted to show me? Or it was just saying, hey, I'm here. Because every, every flower that I saw when I was going through that season, it was yellow and purple. And he was like, I'm here, I'm here, chill out, I'm here. But um, tying it up to what you're saying now, it's kind of making sense to me because that's one of the things that when we come to him, he, he, he dresses us with that royal uh, standard or that royal status now that we, that we just can't have. I mean, you can have it in the earth as, as a king, as this, and you can put it on. You can do everything you want, but it's going to be something more of a, of a tradition or something that has to be earned or, or only one out of. So it's, an, it's like an exclusivity thing to have a purple robe or, or to have riches, to own gold and to have the gold scepter, whatever it is, man. It's always a sign of status and in the world. And, and, here, and here comes Jesus and offers that for free. And to everybody. <laughs> right? It's like this thing that takes so long. And you can only probably get through bloodlines, right? There's places in the world where, where, where I believe. I'm really bad with history and, and, and geography and all these things. But one thing that I know, it's, it's what we know. And one thing that I know, it's kings. Sometimes you have to either be married into the bloodline. Or you have to inherit it, I guess. And then it's like one it, it's a one thing. It's a, you are the king. There's no kings in, in the same. There's one captain. There's all these things that is just one. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's always the thing about, well, the king and then us. And they rule with such a harsh way and not all of them, but so it's, it's just always to me is like, a, like an unreachable thing for some. 
And sometimes you cannot even earn it because it's just you're not even in the bloodline. So here we are as sons of God, everybody receiving through, through the bloodline, through the, the blood of Christ, which is so ironic to me to say that, um, receiving this gift, like Jason was saying. And it's free. <laughs> you don't have to earn it. And, and that, okay, so that's the freedom that I was talking on my way here. I got up this morning and also, which is funny that Jason says, well, you should don't have stuff planned anymore a lot of times. I read, I, I know what I know. I, I get ready sometimes. But hey, sometimes God has a different uh, um, schedule for him. And that's kind of what happened this morning. We were, as we were heading here, I, I, I walk up to my, um, to my closet and I'm staring and I don't know, Liz was in the bathroom doing something. She was opening makeup. And I'm staring and I'm like, huh, she has a hat. The sweater that I actually really like a lot. And she had the sweatpants that I gave her for her birthday, some Adidas. And uh, is that how you say it? Adidas? Okay. A bunch of people are watching this right and they're like, so yes, accents. But anyways, I'm looking at her and I'm like, I was about to grab some jeans and put something a little nicer just because I know I always come in the most comfortable atuendo possible. But I saw her and I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds great right now. And as I'm seeing her, I'm like, man, what a privilege that I can assist a church that doesn't judge you for the way you dress. It just, that thought came to mind. So as I'm picking my clothes, I'm like, oh, I'm so doing a video right now because somebody needs to hear this. So I told this, we're gonna do a live video as we're driving and this is like, She's like, nah, for her, she's not ready. She doesn't have makeup on, not too much, and she doesn't have her hair done. And then as an ex-model, that is a very important thing. So, which God has dealt with her in that way, with the whole, uh, and I'm not saying that against her, but that vanity spirit, man, she has progressed so much, and she has found freedom on that because of God. So, Part of that, let me take it there. Let me just tie that in. Part of that whole thing about the dressing to go into a church, the way you dress, the dress code, it is a vanity spirit. I'm sorry. I don't know if it's a spirit or what it looks like, but it is. It is evil. It is. Because parties you have, or, or certain places, if you're not dressed a certain way, you can get in. I want to see in scripture where it says you can go to heaven if you're not dressed a specific way. Now, what happens if you assist a church that supposedly receives everybody and you're poor and you do not have money to buy the fancy clothes that everybody is wearing and their tall hats and the pastor whatever nothing wrong like my wife says something very important nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes there's nothing wrong do everything to honor the lord man i started playing painful to honor the lord i'm like well if somebody needs to hear the good news i'm here standing next to them with a gun hey dude have you heard about christ pow, 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 pow. You know, I was trying to see what does it mean to honor Christ through everything you do. So guess what? If you want to dress nice for your dad in heaven, man, I'm, I love seeing my daughter dress up. I also like to see my daughter naked, you know, because I can see all the rolls and all the chubbiness. I like to see her in freaking diapers. So I like to see my daughter in every freaking clothes that she can wear. And I think that's how God sees me. You know, I'm sure you guys don't want to see me with less clothes, but he likes to see me with, doesn't matter. Do, does that make sense? 
I'm trying to be very visual, but in a real way, guys. So my point is, God doesn't see the outside. So let's go back to the uh, car. Anyways, we're in the car driving here, and that came to mind. You know, God doesn't care what you dress, you know. What do you look like? You know, he, he wants you to be in his presence. He wants you to come to him. He wants to hang out with us. So that whole idea that for us to go, I mean, my brain just can go anywhere with this subject, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to tie it up to, to the church, which it was very important to me because so many other people are not assisting church, which, attending church, which is not a building. And we all know that, but some people don't know. So whoever hears this, church is not a building. That would be like saying that yogurt is the container that I just bought at the store. If I empty that container, the container can say yogurt. It can say church out there. If there's not a culture in here, ain't no product. This is just an empty shell, just like a yogurt container in the trash. It is useless. Now, if there's yogurt in there, if there's a bunch of people, that is the church. So when people are assisting a church <clears throat> and you are faced with all these requirements to enter a church, it feels like you have to earn it to be even in there. I walked into a church. I'm not going to drop names because we're not here to do that or to bash anybody. But they told me to take off my hat. Right now, I'm happy to do it. I'll be like, oh, yeah. But before, I usually do my hair sometimes. And I had, uh, what do you call it, a hair hat? Hat head? Or, okay, you know, when you look like a chicken, when you take off that hat, and you, it looks pretty crazy, right? So this dude is like, oh, you, sir, sir, you need to take off your hat. And I'm like, you know, it's not that I didn't want to take it off, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to take off my hat. I really just woke up and I said, I cannot take my hat. Well, sir, you have to take off your hat in order to, uh, you know, we need to honor the pastor. And I was standing there and I almost turned around and, and I just left, almost. But I thought, okay, this is what the devil wants probably. And I was there to honor a friend that was going to be promoted to pastor, or she was actually singing that day. I'm not sure exactly. But she was um, a lady from actually, she used to work for me from the Congo, a really good friend of mine. So I said, okay. I took it off, and I said, well, I'm sure nobody's going to be, be paying attention. But the guy noticed. And then later on, actually, they came to me, and they said, uh, sir, you can actually put your hat on. And I said, well, what made you change your mind? Uh, well, there's a bunch of people with hats. I look in a, you know, when I looked around, so they kind of felt bad for telling me specifically to take off my hat. So, to keep it simple, I I'm sure when Jesus used to meet with, with, the, with his disciples, I'm sure they're not having a, a bouncer at the door. They're already being persecuted. So meeting, it was a pretty big deal. I, I think by the little I read, Christians that were being persecuted and they were meeting in houses, so they were doing church. I'm sure there was not somebody at the door like, uh, let me see you, you're not wearing a, oh, you're wearing a camel hair. Uh, it's not iguana tail, so you cannot get in. You know, there is not a dress code to walk into the meetings that they were having, the church that they were doing. So it's very important that people know this. You don't have to look a specific way to walk in the presence of God. And walking in the presence of God doesn't have to be in a church, doesn't have to be in a building. It can be in the street. It can be, you know, in a house, in a backyard. 
Now, this doesn't mean stay in your house and, oh, well, I'm kind of shy. I don't need to go to church. No, God prescribes continue meeting with other believers as some have the habit of not doing. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. We have to meet with others. What happens if we stop meeting with other believers? We get dull. That iron gets really dull. Okay, so it's very important that we meet. But it's also important that we know that we can go show up and people are not going to criticize us. People are not going to judge us. God is not going to judge us. And we can show up just as we are. Hangover. I used to show up hangover. So whoever's watching this video, please, if you're hangover, don't feel shame. Go come be washed. That's how I see it. You know, if you did something bad the night before, what a great opportunity to bring that up to the light and let it be washed again. That's the freedom that we find in the church that people need to know about. Because that's what is keeping people from, the, oh, the shame is keeping people out. They're going to judge me. I smell alcohol. Well, guess what? Pop a couple of bubble gums, you know, pop a couple of gum strips, sit in the back, you know. Yeah, you probably smell like alcohol. Sit in the back, you know. That's what I used to do. And if you're not dressed properly, maybe you don't have money. Show up to church, you know. It's just the whole idea that we have to be a specific way to go to church that I think is damaging, you know, unity among, among people. And among people that want to show up. So if anybody's watching this video right now and this is useful to you, please just show up. That's all you have to do. I actually posted a video, a video and I said that the only requirement that you need after I kind of made fun of all the requirements, um, it was to have a willing heart or just show up. <clears throat> now, lady said, not even a willing heart because God will make your heart willing. And I was like, okay. I also say a willing heart because sometimes we don't want to. But just the act of showing up to church, there has to be some will and getting in your car. That's why I meant with a willing heart. Just at least show up. Just show up and God will do the rest. There is freedom in the presence of God, the only requirement is to be there and to just to open your heart to him. It's such a simple concept and people want to make it about tradition, want to make it about steps, want to make it about earning. So it's time to break that and, and, and know that we can just walk into his presence and the rest he will do. He will do. He will do. So. Okay, so most of you, pretty sure all of you, now that I'm looking at the room, um, are aware that I shaved my head a little while ago. I'd love to do it again, but my husband hated it. So um, it was honestly, it was a moment with God where it was like, when when I walk in the room, people notice my hair. And that's kind of what I was known for. And I took that persona on. And um, it was like, you know, your identity is not in your hair and what you wear, but your identity is in me. And so um, I rocked a ball or a shaved head for a while, and that was, that was pretty fun. Um, and then when I was actually like, he was like, okay, you can grow your hair back. Um, I wasn't allowed to color it for a long time. Um, and even when I was like, okay, yeah, now you can color it. Now you can feel like you're going back to your normal self, uh, whatever normal is. Um, <laughs> I still questioned it. I was like, I don't, I don't want my identity to be in anything other than you. Like, please, Lord, don't, don't tell me, don't tempt me with something that I want so bad if it's not of you. And it took somebody else that I had never met in person in my life um, coming and visiting and staying with me, um, being like, 
you're supposed to color your hair. Like, why haven't you done this yet? Like, how long is this going to take? We have an event tonight. Go color your hair. And doing this purple. Now, in my prayer time, God had said, like, he gave me this gem to look at and to treasure and keep. And I don't know if you guys can imagine just a beautiful, beautiful gem that you're holding, whether it's big, small, it doesn't matter. It has worth. And when you're looking at it, it's just like you, you understand the value of this gem. You understand the value of this precious item that you have. And I will not cry. <laughs> uh, God essentially told me, this gem is you. Like you need to treasure yourself as I treasure you. You treasure this gem, which is, it's just a rock. You know, it's just this shiny thing that you're holding in your hand and yet you value it more than you value yourself. And so when Jason was talking, he, you know, he was talking about outward appearance of clothes and makeup and doing your hair and whatever. And um, I just kept feeling like it was deeper. There was more to it, um, that it was self-worth and that we're more concerned about how the world views us than how we're concerned if God views us. And so I was glad that you came up and we're like, it's a little deeper for me um, because it, it should be, it should be deeper. It should be something that we're constantly reflecting on. Like, are we treasuring the, the world? Like, honestly, the pressure of the world can form a diamond, but that doesn't make it any more valuable than a word from God, you know? Forget about fancy jewels and, you know, being head to toe lavish. Like God told me to, to shave my head and I did it. And the intimacy that I got from that was way more valuable than anything that I could purchase in a store, anything that I could be given from one of my friends or family members um, to add to my vanity. So, and it's funny because this morning when I was getting ready, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my hair. Like, I just, I need to do something for me. I'm going to do my hair. And then, oh, well, I kind of still want to be comfy. So I'll wear a tank top, but I'll dress it up with this. Like, I was like, let, let, how much can I get away with to make it look like I actually made an effort without actually making an effort? Um, and, you know, I was like, sometimes you just, you just got to do it for you. And so while he's talking about, you know, I showed up in sweats and a hat, I was like, dang it, I could have worn my hat, could have worn my sweatshirt, <laughs> like, you know, like I could have fit it. That would be the dress code of today, not, you know, let's jazz it up. So um, I'm grateful for the reminder of, you know, your worth isn't in what you wear. It's not what your hair looks like. It's not, did you spend thousands of dollars um, my husband and I are celebrating our three-year anniversary on Tuesday, and <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, I'll get compliments on my ring, um, not the one that I'm wearing right now, but a different one, and I always am quick to, to be like, oh, I was spent like 25 bucks on it or something. I'm cheap, whatever, and it's not like I needed it to be $2,500 or whatever. It was just like, this is what we chose. This is what, you know, I liked. This is what he was glad to give me. And it just happened to be less expensive than all of, I don't know, the other engagement rings that people are normally trying to get. And 
it, it's funny because I don't look at it any differently. It doesn't make a difference that it, the price tag was smaller or larger, you know? And I think that when you go into your closet in the morning, <laughs> if you're like, well, this one's $500 and this one's five, so I'm gonna wear this one because people are obviously gonna tell the difference, there, there's a problem with that, you know? So anyways. This kind of has to go with all of what we're saying. Um, but let me prefix with one thing. There, are, There is only one standard that we have to abide by, and that is God's truth. As long as we're standing in God's truth and God's righteousness, there's nothing anyone can say or anyone or anything that anyone can do to really put us down because we know we have the Lord behind us and the Lord is mighty. So um, I'm going to read a little bit of scripture. Um, John 18, 19 through 24. So it says, uh, this is, this is when uh, Jesus is on trial. This is the beginning of his trials before he goes to the crucifixion. Mind you, all of his trials were done illegally according to the Jewish courts. Um, and it says, the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temples where all the Jews come together. And I spoke in nothing, nothing in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I spoke to them. They know what I have said. Then when, when he had said this, one of the officers standing near, nearby struck Jesus saying, is that the way you answer the priest? Um, Jesus answered him. If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong, but if rightly, why do you strike me? So Aunt Annas sent him bound to Cephas, the high priest. What's really going on there is, um, is the priest is questioning him, coming up with, with false accusations um, and saying, you're, you're a little chubby this morning. You need to, you need to do st stuff. Granted, this is, this is in comparison. You're, you're, you're not adequate according to my standards, according to the world's standards. That that's what the, the priest is telling him. And really he's, he's not adequate because he's not conforming to, um, their, their, their wants and them getting all the glory instead of God getting all the glory. And then he's saying he's not adequate. I mean, he, he, Jesus says, you know, I, I've done nothing wrong. I, I've, I've said the truth. I am walking in, in the truth. And if, if, if you have proof of me doing something wrong, bring it, show it, or else leave me alone. That's what he's saying. And he's giving us the example there that he's giving us us the example of how we need to act. I know it's hard um, a lot of times, and I'm preaching to the choir like anytime I ever speak anything. Um, but 
we always, even, even in a situation where his life is on the line, he's walking in the truth. He's, he's not wavering, whether that be, uh, or, and that truth for us is no matter what we're wearing or how we're feeling or et cetera, we are God's children. And we didn't, we need to act like it. We need to stride in the truth. I know that's uncomfortable sometimes because, you know, other people's opinions matters to us for some reason. Um, but on top of that, when he is challenged, when he is assaulted, he was physically assaulted here, but and that's rare for us to come, especially in the United States, to come against physical assault for our opinions or the way we dress. It may happen, but it is still extremely rare. We are still assaulted in um, name-calling, being told to take off your hat, despite of you being you really not wanting to. Like, you need to take off your hat because you don't belong here if you don't. Um, stuff like that. And he says, "Why did you? Why did you hit me? If if I've done wrong, do that. But you know, tell me I'm wrong." but there's no reason for you to strike me. And that's Jesus giving us another example of us needing to stand up for ourselves, not in a, a righteous indignation of self, but um, righteousness because we're standing for the Lord. Not We're standing for the truth, not for ourselves. Obviously, we can be wrong even if it feels good. Um. But as long as we're standing for the truth, we need to stand up for that, no matter who is coming up against us with whatever trash they're throwing at us. And that's it.